0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the
1: official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
2: Taking you up to 6.30 on Grant and Danny. Solo today, Danny's vacay will end on Monday, Browns coming to town, FedEx Field, 1 o'clock, a huge game for Washington. As of right now, the Commanders, the seventh and final playoff team in the NFC, they would go to Minneapolis to take on the 12-3 and 3 Vikings in the first round of the playoffs. But there are three clubs giving chase to Washington. The Seahawks, Lions, and Packers are all one half game back needing wins this weekend and Commander's failure at some point in the next couple of weeks to catch them. So I figured it would be good to see what's going to happen in those games by checking in on some folks in the know. We're going to blitz the other wild card hopefuls on Grant and Danny. Let's get to it, and we'll start at Lambeau Field. And to talk about the pack, an excuse to catch up with my guy, Steve Zabin, what's up, buddy? How you been?
3: What's up, Grant? Working hard on a uh, final Friday of 2022, I see.
2: Hey, someone's got to make these big rocks into little rocks, brother, so might as well be (laughs) me this time. Uh, So you tell me, man. I mean, 37% chance to make the playoffs. I pronounced the Packers dead a couple of weeks ago, and and here they are. They got a chance to knock off the Vikings and, and go into the final weekend with a shot. What do you think? Is
3: that the current number? From the nerds, 37%. That's the
2: nerd number I saw today. There's also like 17 numbers on 17 sites, right? Right, 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 right.
3: It's funny. I stopped looking at the number a couple of wins ago for this team because the way they're talking and the way they're walking, they think the number's 99%, which is quite remarkable. And normally you'd say slow down just a bit, but it is Aaron Rodgers. And I think the team is playing a lot better right now. Now, they had their two rookie wide receivers on the field together, finally, for the first time in weeks and weeks and weeks for all of about 14 plays. And then Watson tore, or didn't tear, but he agitated his hip flexor and he was out. He's going to be key for this game against the Vikings. He wants to redeem himself from a bad drop in week one up there in Minnesota. But the Packers really think they're finally coming together as a team, especially offensively, that they had on paper to start the year, and they got off to a slow start. I'm not so sure because I look at the last three weeks, they were getting knocked around by the Bears for three-quarters plus, pulled it out at the end. They had a bye week against the Rams and Baker Mayfield, and then Tua threw them three gimme balls in a six-point win on Christmas Day. So, ah... I don't know. I think it's still probably not so key. It's all about the commanders losing to the Browns. If the commanders win, I think, uh, Grant, the Cowboys come in in Week 18 and just lay it down with a JV.
2: Yeah, that's very, very possible. This game, a one-and-a-half point spread for Washington, feels like the bigger of the two for now. But I guess there's a chance Dallas could play their starters, which we'll get to. Uh, as far as the pack goes, you just said this. I get that they're winning, and I know they're stringing these dubs together. It's it's not impressive to me. I mean, am I missing something? Like, I just feel like, even right now, they're still not that good. I don't see it with Rodgers, who was an MVP the last two years. Their running game, even, this past week, I think they had 17 carries for sub-60 yards or around there with Dylan and Jones. It's just not passing the eye test. It's almost like it's more about the rest of the conference not being good than it is Green Bay having turned a corner.
3: Yeah, that's pretty much it. They are not blowing anyone out. They're not making you go, holy cow, look at this team. Who can stop them? But in a year in which the whole NFC is down, I'm not sure you have to be much better than just the next guy in front of you on a week-to-week basis. What's interesting is that I talked to a friend in Minnesota, and I said, how's the vibe up there this week? And he said there wasn't that much of a vibe of we've got to beat the Packers another time to show them that we're the real kings of the North. So I don't know what their sort of vibration level is going to be coming into this game. It's going to be very interesting, that's for sure, and I will be there freezing my ass off.
2: You are going to be at Lambeau. So when you go, do you sit in a nice, warm suite, or are you out and about with the, no. the unwashed masses? Hell
3: no. In the stands, baby. And actually it should be around 30, which is a, a real reprieve. From what it was a week ago, so yeah.
2: I went to Lambeau last year for the. Uh, they weren't called the Commanders then. I guess they would. This was t- the football team. Yeah, this was yeah. named two out of three uh, over the last few seasons. And but, you and you
3: loved it. You it loved was it. I remember the you talked best, about it, yeah. dude.
2: I parked. Yeah. And I paid ten bucks to some lady. I parked in her driveway. I used the toilet in her house. She made a bunch of food. She put. I'm not even doing a bit. Like the garage door was open, and we tailgated in her driveway, and all the food was. I mean, it was for ten bucks. It was the coolest experience ever, and that was before I got to the stadium. It's awesome.
3: <laughs> I went to the bathroom in her house. It happened. The, the highlight of the entire experience. How was the game? How was the stadium? Uh, I don't know. I don't remember much about that. But I got a road win at this lady's house.
2: <laughs> That's right. Uh, what do you make of the Vikings this year? Before I. Let you go in that division. You see a lot of them, and, and like the rest of us here in DC, you track Kirk. Some, I mean, they keep winning, but it takes one possession, no matter who they play, every single week. Yeah,
3: they are a remarkable team. They're what eleven and zero in one score games, which is a new NFL record. They are the plywood fake storefront in a Hollywood set that if you just catch them the right way, you can push them right over because their defense is abysmal. Their offensive line is a a fire drill, but they've got Jefferson. Cousins is having a great year, whether anyone wants to admit it or not, and they're a formidable team just because of that. They do seem to have a bit of moxie and grit, but they're not very good. Even Viking fans know that. So it's going to be interesting to see what shows up down the stretch
2: here. All right, we'll stay warm and uh we will catch up soon enough. Thanks, Abe. All right. See you, man. Be good, brother. There's Steve Zabin on the Packers. That's one of the three teams you gotta track this weekend, other than the commanders that are hoping for a wild card berth. Let's stay in that division. Head to Detroit where the Lions are home again. And that's good news for them because it was ugly against the Panthers on the road. This past week, Dan Miller is the voice of the Detroit Lions, has ties here to the D.C. area, so great to have him back on 106.7 The Fan. Dan, before we talk about the Bears this weekend, what the heck happened to this team that was on fire in Charlotte?
1: Uh, good question. Um, you know, they had played really two months of good football, and they just didn't show up that day, and it was disappointing, but... You know, it's kind of something that I think we just kept talking about, you know, kind of broadcast crew and guys at the game were like, man, we're due for a clunker. And you kind of hope, because it just happens in this league, man. You just, it's really hard. They were looking at trying to finish 9-1 and to close this thing out. And teams, you know, how many teams go 9-1 and 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 turn their seasons around and do that? So you just kind of feared at some point it was going to show up, and what you kind of hoped was, that it was the week before against the Jets, and they survived it. But, you know, they just didn't play well. I mean, we'll see how they rebound, but, you know, credit Carolina. They had played a lousy game the week before. Their coach said they were going to get after it and get more physical, and they really just came out and and controlled the line of scrimmage, and and the Lions just never recovered.
2: So then why might this weekend against the Bears be different, and, and how do you feel about this one?
1: I think it could be different because for the better part of two months, they've played really good football. I mean, that's that's the bad game they've played. Even their only loss before that in, in winning six out of seven against Buffalo where they had a chance to win that game in the final minute. Um, so you just hope that they get back to that, that that's a one-off. Um, I can't tell you for sure that's going to happen, but I can tell you you know, this team is, is pretty healthy compared to where they've been for a lot of the year. I think it's been interesting late in the season they've been getting healthier when I think a lot of other teams have been dealing with significant injuries. So um, the only thing I can base it on is what I have seen from these guys over the second half of the season and that they've played consistent football that has allowed them to win. They've done the things that up until that game, they hadn't lost the turnover battle in, in eight games. They hadn't been committing a ton of penalties and they really didn't in this game either. So it's just from one and six to seven and seven, it was about not doing things to beat yourself. It was about not turning the ball over. It was about taking the ball away. It was not about not giving the team uh, on the other side free first downs with penalties and things like that. They just really cleaned up the way they played, and that's what helped them get on, back on a winning track.
2: Dan Miller, voice of the Lions, educating us on Detroit as they get ready to host Chicago. Very, very big game as it pertains to the commanders down the stretch here in the playoff hunt uh, on Grant and Danny. Here's my concern for the Lions. I think they'll win. I think they're six-point favorites. They have not stopped running quarterbacks at all. Uh, 6.4 yards per carry against running quarterbacks this year, 558 rushing yards total to the position. Hertz went for 90. Fields got him for 147. Allen for 70. Jones for 50. Geno for 49. And here comes Justin Fields, who just runs wild a week after they missed 13 tackles. How do they fix that?
1: Well, they they have to tackle better and they have to just contain. I mean, it's the same thing coaches talk about all the time. I mean, I was just watching the tape of, of fields last week and, you know, he didn't run as much in that game. And then watching the game earlier this year, look, if, if you're not, you know, containing, if you're not, you know, in your rush lane, if you've got, you got to trust your teammate, you can't think they're not going to make a play and jump out of your lane to try to make one for somebody else. And that's really when they've gotten in trouble this year and, you're right. It has been problematic for these guys, and, and they're going to have to find a way to slow him down a little bit. And, and they were very good against the run, not necessarily against quarterbacks, but in the previous two games against Minnesota and the Jets, they had gone 39 carries for 72 yards against their defense, so they hit short some of that up. But no question, running quarterbacks have been a problem for them. they got to figure out some way to deal with that, and I think it starts up front you got to be cognizant of the fact that if you're going to leave a, if you're going to rush four outside guys have to contain try to keep him boxed in as best you can if he's going to try to get outside make him loop big outside and then be mindful of the fact that if you're one of those guys in the middle you just can't open things wide up cuz he's going to take off so it has been a problem for this team it is clearly the most significant worry that you have going into this game and facing Chicago and they've got to find some way to deal with it. They did the first time around. They were able to beat the Bears, but, he, man, he still had a huge game against them, and they survived it.
2: I want to sneak one in on Jared Goff, who's thrown for 3,900 yards, 26 touchdowns, and seven picks. Really an impressive season for him. I mean, he might get Ben Johnson, that play caller and OC, a head coaching look this offseason, who's done a heck of a job calling plays. Uh, What would you say about Goff? Has he been as good as the numbers this year?
1: I think... Jared came into this season needing to make a statement about whether or not he was going to be this team's quarterback because with two first round draft picks, you've obviously got the opportunity in the capital to maybe draft one. And I think Jared's statement, in particular, if you go back over the last two months, has been that he's absolutely the guy. They're fifth in the league in scoring. Uh, they've been one of the top scoring teams this year. Uh, when he's had his weapons, he's been very good. They've had, look, they've had some ups and downs that not every game has been fantastic. But even if you look over the last month, um, they were three and one, including that Carolina game. He hasn't thrown a pick. He's had three, 300 yard games. Um, he's second in QB rating for the last month, over one Oh nine. Um, he's, he's done everything that they could ask him to do. And and what I say to people is remember when, when they went out and got him, a lot of people thought, Oh, he's just a placeholder and, and they're going to get rid of him sooner or later. But remember who traded for him, Brad Holmes, Ray Agnew, his top assistant. They're both from L.A. They knew exactly what they were getting. And the best thing that could happen to this franchise is that Jared Goff is the guy. Because then you can take your two first-round picks and your two second-round picks and address some other things on this team that, that need fixing. And I'll be honest with you, outside of maybe young at the top, I don't love the quarterbacks in this draft. Maybe they feel differently. I have a feeling that Jared Goff is going to be their guy. I do think they'll draft a quarterback. I just don't necessarily think it'll be in the first round. I think it'll be somewhere later where maybe they're looking to develop a guy, maybe like the, the commanders did with Howell.
2: If Dan Miller calls the Lions win this weekend, the commanders will have plenty of pressure come Week 18. Thank you, sir. Much appreciated.
1: Thanks. Appreciate you having me.
2: And right, let's keep this blitz of these wild-card hopefuls going. The other of the teams, just a half game back, breathing on Washington's neck, is in Seattle. And like Green Bay and like... Detroit, the Seahawks are at home, and they are hosting the Jets, one-and-a-half-point dogs at home, though, to New York. And they're going back to Mike White at quarterback. Nate Davis of USA Today, our buddy, hops in with us here to break this game down. So, Jets, Seahawks, how do you see it, Nate?
4: Yeah, Grant, I picked I picked the Jets in this one. I think I picked them 31-21. Uh, I think uh, Mike White's going to give them the spark that, that he has. He's been giving them all year, and I, I don't think that this is a particularly good match uh, matchup for Seattle, even though they're they're at home. So uh, I, I, like, uh, I like the Jets in this one.
2: I'm not sure what happened with Seattle, but on both sides of the ball, at the line of scrimmage, they were a lot better in the first half of the year than they've been in the second half. They really haven't gotten much pressure, which is, I think, a big deal this weekend, Nate, because the Jets are susceptible on their offensive line right now. I just don't know if Seattle can take advantage. And on the other side of the ball, they have been dead last in protection and keeping Geno Smith from being pressured in the last six weeks, I don't know what happened there.
4: Yeah, you know it's, it's funny, Grant. You know we've we've been hearing for years that you know what Pete Carroll wants to do is, is play great defense uh, and run the ball and, and not not you know rely on his quarterback uh, and his receivers. But we you know we heard that for the last what five or six years with Russell Wilson, uh, and that's kind of back where they are now. You know the the defense has been has been bad. I think they're they're ranked 29th both for for points and yards against. Um, and, and the uh, they haven't got much out of the running game at all the last couple of weeks. I mean, Kenny Walker's been beat up a little bit, played better uh, last week, but um, they're they're kind of back to hoping I think that, that Geno can can carry the day with them. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see if Tyler Lockett can get back this week from the uh, the finger surgery. But that's certainly going to be um, you know another another major thing to watch, particularly if, uh, if Sauce Gardner can cancel out uh, DK Metcalf. But I mean, it looks it sure looks like this is a team that's going to have to air it out to have much success. And I'm I'm not sure they can do that against the Jets team with such a good secondary, uh, and that rolls so deep, you know, um, on their own defensive line.
2: I think I agree with you. I'm, I'm picking the Jets here. If somehow they can, you know, steal a win, you get a couple of takeaways or whatever, they do have the Rams in Week 18. So while they've lost three straight, and I think most people are leaving them for dead, they would make Washington be perfect the half game back if they can win this game? Because I have a hard time believing, if they need it, that they would lose to the Rams also at home next week. What are your thoughts there?
4: Yeah, yeah, I don't know. You know, the Rams are playing pretty well with Baker. I mean, they've won, what, two or three with him in the lineup, and then we're okay up on a frigid night in Green Bay, which isn't going to be kind to any Southern California team. Um, You know, I think that they've shown that they're, you know, there's no reason for them to tank. So I think they're going to come in and Sean McVay is is trying to, you know, maintain a culture there. So I think that, you know, that that could, quote unquote, be the Rams Super Bowl at the end of the years if they can, you know, knock out Seattle. Uh, And it's not like they've seen, uh, you know, this Rams team with Baker at the helm. So it's not like they can just dust off the playbook and how do we defend Matt Stafford kind of thing. Um, I think that's a problematic game. I mean, I think the best thing going for the Seahawks is they've got that, that head-to-head win in the bank against Detroit if it comes down to you know, them and the Lions for, for the seventh seed. But um, I, I think that these last two games are going to be tougher for Seattle. All
2: right, so let me let you out on this then. Washington's a half game up on Seattle, Green Bay, Detroit. Who gets that last wild card spot and how does it play out?
4: Well, you know, I've got Washington. You know, I think I don't think Washington's going to have any kind of cave walk against Cleveland, but but I think they're they're going to get that game this weekend. Um, you know, at, at home, uh, and then I think it's going to kind of depend. You, you know, they, they could they could benefit. You know, you heard Mike McCarthy talking about it last night in the victorious locker room. But you know, Dallas might not have anything to play for in Week 18, um, and, and if, if that's the case, I, I would think that they're going to rest a lot of guys. I mean, they rested a few last night with Tony Pollard out, but I mean, if if if, uh, if, if the Eagles. Get that get that number one seed this weekend. I mean, the Cowboys are literally you know the, the week eighteen against week eighteen game against Washington is going to be their only opportunity uh, to give guys a blow. So I think uh, I think this thing might be setting up well for the Commanders.
2: Nate Davis, USA Today, bringing good words and good news. It sounds like. Hey Nate, thank you. We appreciate you. Happy
4: New Year, Grant. Thanks.
2: You too, man. Happy New Year to you. And that is your blitz of the wild card hopefuls. And it's a great point he just made on the way out. You know We're talking about Seattle, Green Bay, and Detroit, right? But it is the other of the teams that we didn't cover in this division, Philadelphia's game with New Orleans, that might actually be the most important to Washington come next weekend. If the Eagles win, the Cowboys have the five spot locked up. They can't go up. They can't go down. There's no reason for them to really care all that much about Week 18. If the Eagles lose... Dallas, depending on the start of that game and when they kick off and whether it's an early game or late game, probably at least begins that game thinking they can still win the division. It changes the arithmetic a bunch. That's a great point by Nate. All right, we focused a lot on Carson Wentz and the commander's offense today. Let's put the spotlight on this defense next. What do they have to do to tighten back up? Who do you think has to have a big game for the commander's to get a win against the Browns defensively. And what are you keeping an eye on on that side of the ball? We can open up the phones at 800 1067 I've got some thoughts on that next. Remember, at 6 o'clock in 40 minutes, Bobby Carpenter breaking down tomorrow's two college football playoff games right here on Grant & Danny.
0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
5: Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business.
4: They're very correctable. I mean, you know, the, 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 the jet sweep, we, 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 we didn't set the edge as tight as we needed to to force it to stay inside. We, we got stretched a little bit. We had a linebacker get cut off and pulled down. And we had, uh, we had a safety in a corner basically in the same crease. And that, that's a recipe for disaster. And so we know we can we can do better than that. Um, and then as a, as a safety, I uh, wanted the deep throws to the tight end. We bit up, and you know they had shoot. They had two guys there that could have made a play.
2: It's Ron Rivera talking about his defense giving up a couple of chunk plays. Welcome back, Grant and Danny on the fan. No, Danny, the explosives have not been a factor against Washington. They just have not happened for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then. The 49ers, with better talent and a better scheme, the best offense Washington's played in a while, hit Washington for five of them. The whole reason for the turnaround for this team this year, you know, they started out ugly, and we thought it was headed for disaster. Their defense was playing poorly, right? Then they got their act together. They start winning football games. And I think more than anything on the show and... and in the media and with fans, the debate is about the quarterback position. And look, they went to Heineke and they started winning. It must be, they, they just started playing really good defense. They played bad defensively against the Jags, Lions, and Eagles. They were somehow 1-2 in those three games. They got a win. They didn't play much better defensively a couple of times after that. But they started to really turn a corner with that Chicago win 12-7. to when they allowed seven points all night. And then from that point forward, the defense kind of dragged the offense into the winning streak. They beat the Packers, held the Packers to 21 with a defensive touchdown in that game, if memory serves. They give up 16 points to the Colts, even with a frenzied comeback in a huge fourth quarter for Minnesota. They held the Vikings in a loss to 20, and if Heineke doesn't throw one of the... You know, the, the, the balls you want back, a bad interception, second half, you win that game. Defense turns the Eagles over four times. They hold the Texans to 10 points. They did some really, really good things. The Falcons scored just 13, and, and remember, there was a pick at the goal line with the game on the line where Washington's defense stood up and got them a win. How many huge stops? How many times in that tie did the defense make a big-time play in the second half or overtime to keep a tie from a loss, which would have them in a four-way tie for the last playoff spot right now, and they wouldn't have the tiebreaker. They'd be out instead of in. But the last two weeks, we've seen it now. This defense has not quite been as good. And I want to know why you think that is. You can tweet me at Grant H. Paulson. You can hit me up on the phones at 800-636-1067. A couple things I jotted down when I was looking into this today. Number one is... The health in their secondary of Benjamin St. Just, who, by the way, is questionable, and after being limited early this week, didn't practice today. Rivera saying that he has suffered a setback. That's scary. He's probably not going to play, barring something pretty dramatic changing before Sunday. When St. Just hasn't played, they have been a much worse defense. And as a secondary, they've done a worse job in coverage. He is one PBU pass breakup away from being tied for the team lead. Kendall Fuller has one more pass breakup. But Fuller, I think, has played over 100 more snaps in coverage than Benjamin St. Just, who at times, when he's been good, has been a lockdown defender for them. I think the best game he had and the most noticeable, impressive performance he had was when he gave up 100 yards to Justin Jefferson of the Vikings. And they quite literally just challenged him and said, you go wherever Jefferson goes. Anything he gets today will be on you. And he broke up a would-be touchdown on two different occasions. One of them turned in to an interception, among some other big-time plays he made along the sideline. But St. Juice not being out there, and when he has played at times here recently, not having been 100%, remember he came up lame early in the game against San Francisco at one point, I think that's been damaging to the secondary. I also think not having Cam Curl has been a real problem for them. Because you heard Rivera in the clip that Ryan played on the way into the segment there. Talking about safety play on a couple of the problems that they had against the 49ers. The Ray-Ray McLeod jet action that turned into a 70-plus yard touchdown. With a couple of guys being in the same lane, basically. Those two players were, were safeties. And... Then he referenced, I believe it was Derek Forrest he's talking about, uh, Defoe was the safety that bit on the George Kittle touchdown, where both Kittle and a wideout, might have been Ayuk, not sure, but two 49ers were butt-naked open in the end zone. Either one of them could have fair-caught a touchdown from Brock Purdy behind all of Washington's defense. But those types of plays just weren't being allowed by this team For weeks and weeks when they were winning and playing playoff-type football. So here's the good news is, I think against Cleveland, the matchup dictates and allows you to get back to playing that way. The Browns are a lot more the Falcons than they are the 49ers. They're a lot more the Texans and the Colts than they are the 49ers. I would make the case that so are the Giants, and they didn't play a great second game against New York. They held Daniel Jones to 160 passing. But Saquon Barkley averaged almost five yards per carry. Remember, late in that game, he ripped off like three straight first down runs for over 30 yards, changed the numbers a little bit. He wasn't nearly as effective as 18 for 87, looks in the box score. But when you got Richie James at one wide receiver and Isaiah Hodgins at the other, I'm sorry, those guys can't go out and, and lead a 96-yard drive where Jones was as precise as he was. like You just need to make a couple more plays than they made in that game when your defense is this good. And specifically against the Giants, that vaunted defensive line that we all love that has carried them all season didn't show up the same way that it has for much of the year. You had a big TFL in the backfield by Allen, but pain and sweat were mostly held off of the sheet as far as the big plays go. This past week, speaking of held off the sheet, Montez Sweat, and if you watch the game, you know that it wasn't like he didn't do anything. He had some pressures and and got near the quarterback a couple times to force some throws, but he didn't have a single stat on the box score this week. Montez Sweat. Zeros across the board. Now, this is not me knocking him, all right? That that happens, and and I think he was more effective than that tells you. I think specifically of one play where he had pressure and kind of forced pressure Purdy up and, and Payne scoops him up for a sack. And that's a play that Sweat partially makes. But it just has not been at the level of when these guys were the wreckers, the, the wrecking balls that were taking over the game several weeks in a row. And they really need to get back to that. And, and the key is just going to be cutting down on those big plays that they weren't allowing. But it's I think it's a real thing that this defense, it's still good. It's playing well. It's better than the offense here recently, but if you look at the winning streak and this team at its best a month ago and right now, they've fallen off. There was a story written in the post by Sam Fortier that I saw today. It might have been from last night, maybe yesterday's paper, but I saw it this morning. And Fortier went through basically the, the stretch of games they'd played to see how teams fared offensively against Washington. And what he found was that playing this defense was banging your head against the wall for a little while. Like A lot of teams were at their worst when they were playing the commanders. The Vikings played Washington in their eighth game of the year, and their EPA offensively, um, don't worry about expected points added, and, and don't worry that I'm getting too nerdy on you. Just know it, it just means their effectiveness, basically. was It was their sixth-ranked offensive performance out of eight games that they'd played. Like, they'd only been worse twice to that point in the year. The Eagles' Monday night football game that Washington won, at that time they'd played nine games. The Eagles' game for Philly was their eighth game out of nine in terms of offensive effectiveness. When they played the Texans, that was game number 10 for Houston. The Texans' 10th out of 10 games that they played in terms of how good they were on offense. It was their worst game statistically. When you compare all 12 of the Falcons games that they played after their game with Washington had ended, it was their number 10 out of 12 games on offense. The first Giants game, number 10 out of 12 games. That's what they were doing. They were making offenses look worse. They were bringing out the worst in those units, and it it just hasn't been the same since. And I think the Browns are the perfect get-right chance and opportunity for this team. Because Cleveland's last four games, The Browns have averaged 9.75 points per game since Deshaun Watson came back, which is dead last in the NFL. And while they gave up five explosives last week to San Fran, as a group this year, the Commanders have only allowed 85, third lowest in football. That hasn't been the M.O. And I do think Cam Curl plays, and I think that'll make a huge difference at safety for them. And we'll cut down on some of the whether it's communicational or just performance things that happen on the back end against the Niners that hopefully won't happen again. Not having St. Juice could be problematic, though. Top of the hour in 20 minutes, Bobby Carpenter covers college football on the two college football playoff games on New Year's Eve. Speaking of which, we'll look ahead to how we're going to celebrate New Year's Eve as a show next here on GND on the fans. Grant and Danny without Danny welcoming you back on The Fan. Jalen Hurts, doubtful for this weekend. I don't really know why the Eagles are doing any of this. They're pretending like he might play, but he's not going to, I don't think. And what is the benefit, really? You think New Orleans is going to prep for Hurts even though you don't need this game? Let's say they lose this game, which... I don't think they would. They'll beat New Orleans with Gardner Minshew who threw for three fifty five last week. But if they lose to New Orleans this week, you still just have to win next week against the Giants if and when Hurts is more healthy and you win the division. All you got to do is win one of the next two. But yesterday when he wasn't practicing in full, they made it seem like he might play and then today they're not ruling him out. They're listing him doubtful. Very, very strange. Uh, But it sounds like he will not go for the Eagles. Also, and we talked about this earlier, but if you're just jumping in the car, leaving work, getting ready to go home for the holiday, Tua Tungabailoa from the Miami Dolphins is not going to play in their must-have critical game against the New England Patriots as they try to stay in the wild card spot they currently occupy. They're in the Washington spot right now, the, the seven seed in the AFC. They have to win. They'll have to do it without Tua. Teddy Bridgewater time for Miami. Tua has suffered three concussions, and as you guys know, they've come in pretty massively nationally televised and just talked about ways. I mean, it's not like 1 o'clock regional TV game in the first quarter he gets concussed. Like He's concussed before a primetime game and then again during the game and then on Christmas Day. And so it's been one of the talks of the league off and on here this week. What was going to happen? Is he going to play in this game where they have to win? And it seems like he's making the right decision for his family, the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, Mike McDaniel, saying the only thing he cared about this week was his health, and and everyone's doing and saying the right things. And While we're talking quarterbacks, i got to give Blaine Gabbert credit real quick, not because he played football, because he doesn't. He's just a backup to Tom Brady and he hadn't really played football in a long time. But have you guys seen this story? I read this this morning. This was crazy. So, first of all, I will never ride in a helicopter. I will promise you that right now. If I live to 100, unless I get into some terrible accident and I don't have a choice, knock on wood, like they just put me in a helicopter to save me, okay, you have my permission, save my life. But people go to islands, or they go on honeymoons, or they go to events, and just choose to get in a helicopter for fun, to go see things. God bless you. I will not be doing that. People also jump out of planes and skydive and do all kinds of other wacky things that I wouldn't do. But there's a dude who, for Christmas, with his parents, decided to get in on a helicopter ride around Florida. And this is something, you know, you see this all the time in Hawaii and different places. It's a very normal, common thing that is... Pretty safe, I would say. Again, I'm scared, so I'm not going to do it, but you guys go have your fun. Well, this 33 year old, about my age, and his parents were in a helicopter. They were doing this ride around the Tampa area in Florida for Christmas. They had dinner planned for after they got back down to the ground and, and got off the helicopter. Here's the problem as they're riding along, the helicopter starts making noises. When the helicopter craps out over top of water. They start going down in the ocean, essentially. And the helicopter actually, you call it lands, crashes, I think crashed, into the water to the point where immediately this guy's trying to get out of his seatbelt. He sees his parents and the the driver, the, uh, the pilot, I guess would be the word, of the helicopter, but all three of them bolt and get out immediately and they're up and they're on their way to safety. And this guy can't unbutton his seatbelt. And as he says in this story, he basically gives up at one point and just decides, it's the end of the the road here for me. I had a good run. And then he realizes, okay, my parents are up there. Their life is going to be over. They're going to be so sad. I have to try one more time. And in this last-ditch effort, the way he tells it, he frees himself for all these tangled harnesses, and he speculates he was underwater for about a minute, and he ends up getting out of the helicopter and, and getting up to the surface of the water as the the helicopter is submerged and sinking deeper and deeper into the ocean. Craziness. This happened yesterday. The reason I I started this with Blaine Gabbert is after these three people and the pilot get back to the top of the water and now they're waiting for help, Blaine Gabbert is the first guy on the scene with his jet ski. The Blaine Gabbert, quarterback of the Bucks, Blaine Gabbert, shows up on his jet ski When they're like, okay, so are we just going to be here for hours? Are we going to get eaten by sharks? What's going to happen now? Nope. By God. Damn it, Kane. That's Blaine Gabbert's music. Blaine Gabbert on his jet ski. The hero we all need comes and saves them. Crazy, crazy story. Shout out Blaine Gabbert. All right, I want to bring Ryan on really quickly. I got to ask him a question. So fire up your own theme music without Darius as you run the uh, operation over there. Ryan comes in here to me today and tells me he's going to have a blast. He's going out for New Year's Eve tomorrow. He's spending copious amounts of money. And this is me being old and you being young. I told you, I don't want to make you feel bad. I don't want you to think any less of me. That's fine. I don't want to belittle your time. It sounds like the worst thing in the world. So tell me what (laughs) you're doing. So tomorrow night, I will be spending $140 and heading over to the Gaylord Hotel down at the National Harbor for an unlimited drinking fest, be an open bar. There'll be a lot of people there. It's going to be a good time, in my opinion. My have, have you ever opinion. gone out to a bar or to a major event on New Year's Eve? Yes. You have? I've gone out to a bar. To a, Okay, have you ever gone to an event where people pay a lot of money to all go into a one big room together? I have not. Friends have. Here is my concern for you. Mm-hmm. In my experience, and I've only done this a couple times and I never did it again, mm-hmm. getting drinks is borderline impossible. And I know, I, I get that. I get that, Grant. But then again, the wait for those drinks. Anything could happen tomorrow night. It's going to be a new year. Your boy's going into a new year. I, I am excited. I don't know why. You, because you hope I'm spending that there's a lot of money. attractive women there. Maybe. Okay. And you hope that they're playing good beats, good hit, good good, good music. And I also hope that there's the college games running tomorrow night as well. Because your well, boy's going to have some bets. If you want to watch the college game, you just stay home and watch the college game. Yeah. That's not really what you're looking for when you go to the game. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're right. But MGM's right next door. You never 140, know. 140 guy. You know how many drinks you have to have to equal that? What are you drinking? I mean, <laughs> it's going to change my game plan. You, you're going to have night. Like, what, what's your drink of choice tomorrow? My drink of choice would probably be a Bud Light seltzer. <laughs> Do you know how many Bud Light seltzers <laughs> you have to have to equal the 140 you paid? I know. If we were at Nats Park, that'd be like 14 seltzers for 140 bucks. I don't, I don't think I'm going to get to that point. <laughs> I want you to have fun. I'll be thinking about you. God bless you. I'll be eating meatballs out of a cup at my house. That's what I'll be doing. My kids are going to bed at 7 like normal. I'll make it to midnight. I'm not 100, but good for you. I was young once. <laughs> Is that the old man voice? I'm 140 bucks. Just to stand around and be unable to get a drink. Oh, that's tough. I can't wait to hear a breakdown come Monday. All right, Bobby Carpenter covers college football. We're getting a preview on the two playoff games for tomorrow next on g and This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or
0: comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.